Good morning, saints of our Lord, and welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm your host, Brady Finnern, District President of the Minnesota North District of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Thank you for tuning us in this morning on Worldwide KFUO, Christ for you anytime, anywhere. A blessed Pentecost this Thursday, July the 7th, as the light of Christ shines on us from Genesis chapter 28. As we look at this chapter, there's, I mean, there's a lot happening before this point. We see Esau and Jacob, and clearly Esau was not happy with Jacob. And so what do you do? Um, well, I guess fight or flight. And he, he uh, definitely did a flight from that land. And today we see one of the stories and hear one of the stories that I remember very vividly as a kid, not because of the angels, not because of the the way up to heaven and, you know, brings up other songs like Led Zeppelin comes to mind when I hear this, when I read this text. But I remember specifically thinking, why was he sleeping on a stone? That was one of the big questions I had as a child. But clearly there's more to the story than just that. So as we look at this, we refresh our memory, but also open up our Bibles, put on your Christ goggles for the gifts are ready, ready for you. Thank you to our friends at Lutheran Heritage Foundation for your support of Thy Strong Word. Visit lhfmissions.org for more information, lhfmissions.org. Helping us to be strengthened by God's Word this morning, we welcome back regular guest, Pastor Curtis Dieterding of Zion Lutheran Church in Fort Myers, Florida. Pastor Dieterding, a blessed Pentecost, and welcome back to Thy Strong Word. Uh, it's always good to be back, and especially as I had traveled away you know, over this last month mm-hmm. over to the Holy yeah. Land and over to Oberammergau. It was a wonderful, wonderful experience. Uh, everybody stayed healthy. That's always a big issue these days, so that was good. But uh, just to be able to see, um, again, some of the uh, some of the land where Jesus had walked and uh, on the face of the earth when he was here in, in the flesh. And so, um, yeah, it's just good to be back and uh, not have any jet lag. That was a big one, too. So. <laughs> Very good. Very good. So tell us, Pastor, what was the place that you saw um, in the Holy Land that really stuck out in your mind? There's probably many, but what's the big one that you want to share with us? Well, you know, I've been, this is my second visit, actually, to the Holy Land. So, you know, I've always I've always been intrigued by the uh, Qumran caves uh, where, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the Dead Sea Scrolls were found. And, uh, and the communities that actually wrote the Old Testament is just, uh, it's always very fascinating. Uh, of course, you know, the places where uh, there's a claim that this is where Jesus was born, Jesus had died, Jesus had raised from the dead, uh, it just brings to life again that this is uh, the area anyway where all of these things took place. Our tour guide kept saying, if it's not here, then it is near. <laughs> so ah. I thought, you know what? What a, what a great line. I mean, that's, that, is. That's pretty, that pretty much says it all, you know, uh, even though there's uh, there's places where they've historically identified that as the, the places where these things take place, uh, to actually pinpoint an actual spot uh, is uh, pretty incredible. So, it, uh, you know, that was, his, that was his line, and I thought, man, that was just right on. But just to know and to see the land and to see the area and to experience uh, some of the ruins that are still there from uh, when the Romans came in and when other civilizations came in and built there, it's just those are always just incredible sites to see, and to see that some of those sites probably uh, also were seen by Jesus as well. Uh, Mount of Olives is always a very uh, touching uh, place to visit because it sits Mm. across from Jerusalem and the temple there, so it's just, it's absolutely a gorgeous view. Uh, And then 
with all the bodies uh, there of people who have died, the graves uh, that are there in the Kidron Valley is always, it's just an amazing sight uh, that just is etched in my mind. So, yeah, I, there's all kinds of places over there I love to see. So. I love it. I love it. And that's just a reminder for our listeners to uh Dude, God worked in history. He worked in real time, in real places, with real people. And that's a real strength that we have as Christians. When we read scripture, there really is no, um, what did one person say? Every time an archaeological dig occurs, uh, Christianity is is proven once again um, to be real, um, um, to be a real thing. And there's not really ever been an archaeological find that has proven Christianity to not be true, which is a real um, amazing thing. And I love that. Say, say that line again. If it's not here, it is near. Yeah. If, it, if, it, uh, if it's not here, then it is near, he would, he would right. always say. I love it. I and love it. there are some places, though, I mean, you could actually see the, the ruins from, you know, what has has been there before. So so some of those, you know, they're pretty, they're pretty pretty close, if not right on, you know, to where at least that, that particular town like Capernaum existed and and uh, Jericho and, and the well and all of those things. You can see uh, that uh, some of those are pretty old, uh, that that they're not recreated, you know, some of the things. The old, the old pieces of wall uh, from the old city, uh, the city of David, you know, and, and I'm, I mean, uh, uh, Jerusalem there, you can see uh, that yeah, the, those those walls you can see are, are, are centuries old. You can definitely see that, and so and and Jerusalem's never moved. I mean, you know that that's where Jerusalem's always been, and the and the walls and the different uh, walls that were built over the centuries are are all there for you to see. So yeah, wow, what a, what a gift. Well, it's good to have you back, and it's good to be in the Word with you this morning. So, Pastor, as we look at Genesis chapter twenty eight, can you begin our time in prayer? Sure. Gracious God, um, again, your word will come to us this day and speak to us uh, a word that you had given to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob. We pray that we would continue to learn from this word, uh, how all of this connects to us even to this very day, how your promises continue to uh, be fulfilled throughout the the centuries and, and for our sake, that we might have a relationship with you who is our eternal Father. We look forward to that day when we will uh, join in eternal life with you and thank you and praise you that through all of these prophets and through all of these in the past uh, came your Son, Jesus Christ, to die for us, to rise for us, to give us that hope, uh, that everlasting hope. May you continue to be with us again in your word as we grow in our faith and in the grace that is ours in Christ Jesus, in whose precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you have any questions concerning our text this morning of Genesis chapter 28, send us an email, kfuo at kfuo.org, or call during this live study, 314-821-0850, 314-821-0850. As we hear the word of God this morning, we're going to take it piece by piece, uh, section by section, because there's there's a lot, what, what I would consider just a lot of great things for us to reflect on and obviously to see Christ. So, Pastor, as we look at Genesis 28, it happens in a context. How do you want to start us off as we begin this study? 
Well, you know, I was just I was just thinking as I was sharing with you all the different places I've been over in the Holy Land, and one of the places ten years ago when I was there, not not uh, not this time around, but we went to see um, what was known as like the Cave of the Patriarchs, where. Uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob's tombs are located. Uh, that was very moving, too, you know, just to think that, uh, you know, there is uh, respect still given, uh, high respect given to um, the the Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Sarah, Rebecca, Leah, the matriarchs and the patriarchs that are celebrated there um, in, in this, uh, in this, in that, in the Holy Land. So, um what that reminds me of, though, is that our history in the Christian Church comes from the history of God's people, the Israelites, uh, and through these people, um, we have, of course, uh, been given the wonderful gift of Messiah, Jesus, who has given us uh, the new life we now get to enjoy today. So all of these uh, stories that we are going over here in the book of Genesis are so important because it's our it's our genealogy. It's going back to the beginning of when everything uh, was coming together and the promise of God was given and, and all of this follows through. So each and every one of these stories uh, connects us always to that promise that God gives us, including uh, the one today. Uh, with Isaac and Jacob and uh, and some of what we hear concerning um, Leah and and uh, and Rebecca and Laban, all the different people, all the different uh, people that are mentioned here, um, all connect us uh, to the one who is our Savior. Well, and that's where uh, what leads us up to this could easily be misinterpreted as well. Obviously, God is. Uh... God's not doing, he's not helping the situation here because <laughs> you have the two brothers. Uh, one steals the blessing. Esau hates Jacob. This is like, where are you, God? How come you're not doing anything? Where there's been a focus from almost every every pastor, and I know you're doing the same thing as we're speaking about what this all leads to, is that reminder that God's hand was upon all of this, carrying his people through, even though it looked like this was, well, this was not the smooth path that you would think God would put his people on. So, so Pastor, I think that relates to today because, the, well, none, none of our paths are smooth by any stretch. And why is that important for us to, we see Genesis, see the beginning that after Genesis 3, things are kind of messy, but yet God's hands upon it. Why is that important for us to know even for today? Well, because it's it's messy today. I mean, even in our <laughs> lives, we see a mess, right? I mean, uh, I, I think it gives me a lot more comfort to see the struggles, and especially the deep struggles that took place uh, to get to the point where Messiah finally arrives on the scene, and and to see all of the trouble and all of the sin and all of what went on um, is really no different than what we still struggle with and battle with to this very day as well. It gives us the understanding and, and knowledge to see God's hand working through it all, whether it's through lies or deceit or, or however it is. You know, God uh, still has a purpose. He still has his will to be accomplished, and it will be done, and it'll get done uh, in spite of our sinfulness, in spite of who we are. Um, you know, it, it, we hear in, in, in the Scripture, too, that, you know, Christ 
came and, and died while we were still yet sinners. Well, we're always sinners in need of his mercy, of his salvation, of his forgiveness. The world has not changed. The world is still in need of a Savior. And so, um, yeah, this, this, again, it gives me comfort in knowing uh, that things did not always run smooth then. They still don't run smooth for me today and for us really as a whole when we look at our world around us today and our continual struggle as God's people. Well, in that struggle, as we know, God's hand is upon it, carrying his people. So I'm ready to start digging in to see that in action. So, Pastor, uh, you ready? Yep, let's do it. All right, let's do it. Genesis chapter 28. Uh, we are reading from the English Standard Version, and we'll be reading the first five verses. We hear the word of God. Then Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and directed him, You must not take a wife from the Canaanite women. Arise and go to Param Aram, to the house of Bethuel, your mother's father, and take as your wife from there one of the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you, that you may become a company of peoples. May he give the blessing of Abraham to you and your offspring with you, that you may take possession of the land of your sojournings that God gave to Abraham. Thus Isaac sent Jacob away. And he went to, to Padam Aram to Laban, the son of Bethuel, the Aramean, the brother of Rebekah, Jacob, and Esau's mother. So I would encourage our listeners before we dig in is if you have a Lutheran study Bible, which I, it's not required, but I do suggest it's full of riches and teaching tools that you'll be able to see not only what Scripture says, but also maps on page 60 of the Lutheran Study Bible, it shows all of Jacob's travels as we come up with these names and, and, not, and we present these names, excuse me. But it gives you a good visual. I'm a visual person. So I'll just encourage you that if you do have a Lutheran Study Bible, that here's the opportunity to kind of get a feel for the names that we are presenting. But right now, uh, Jacob uh, is is going away. Fight, fight or flight is kind of the idea Be out of really fear for uh, Esau and what he might do to him. Pastor, what are the other things you got highlighted in these first five verses? Well, you know, it's the faithfulness, you know, of following his uh, father's will. And uh, I think that stands out for me more than anything, that, you know, he has some specific instructions that he's giving to his son here. You know, he's telling him to, to go and be blessed and, and, and be blessed by taking a wife, uh, you know, from the people that he wants him to, not from the Canaanite women. You know, go to uh, Padan Aram to the house of Bethuel, your mother's father, um, mm -hmm. and take as your wife from there one of the daughters of Laban. I mean, a very specific instruction, um, which is your mother's brother. <laughs> you know, we look at that today and go, hmm, okay, that's pretty close relation, <laughs> Right, uh, but right. God Almighty will bless you. He'll make you fruitful and multiply. He's He's giving the promise that God has handed down, you know, from Abraham. Uh, he's now passing that along to uh, his son as well, and uh, that he might have a, be a blessing too. That he might have that blessing of Abraham. That's what verse four says. May He give the blessing of Abraham to you and to your offspring. Um, and so. Here we we hear that promise being handed down, that promise which will culminate one day into a promise of uh, the seed being passed down all the way to uh, Messiah. So yeah, there's some 
there's some very uh, interesting instructions given here uh, for Jacob. And, and Jacob is faithful in following those instructions. If you look at uh, the map, uh, Padan Aram is a Mesopotamia that is quite north. This is where the family came from, really, as they came to the promised land. I mean, there's a lot of travel here in the scriptures. We, we tend to think it's kind of like, you know, nine mile drive or something, but it was a long travel for him to go to. And this is where the family is at going to Laban. Once again, as we see from Genesis chapter 24, uh, that the, they had already visited there and the Lord answered that call. And now obviously God's going to provide a spouse again, at least as far as we know to this point in the text. So um, pastor, any it's interesting. He sends them that far away. Obviously, Esau might have, uh, what do you say? We better get far away because Esau is pretty upset at this point. Other thoughts you have? Yeah, I think I think that's uh, that's safe. <laughs> you, may, you may want to just get away from here as far as possible, and uh, this is a good place for you to take off to for right now. Um, yeah, that's pretty much what's being said here. And that's that is that's a journey. That's a journey to get up there. I mean, I was just over there, just seeing, you know, what's the distance between like uh, Jerusalem up to just even as, as something as close as the Sea of Galilee. Um, that mm-hmm. would be a long journey in itself, right there. But now he's he's asking him to go way north, way north of even Damascus, which is really at the top of Israel today. Um, you know, Damascus is in Syria, but it's just it's just north of the the today's Israel border up in the Gulan Heights. But then to go all the way up into where what's called the, Mes- the Mesopotamian area um, to Padan Aram, uh, that's even a greater distance that he's going to have to travel. Exactly right, and and that's where it's, it's just a reminder brings us back to when we first hear of of Abraham Abram when he was. He was obviously in the Ur of Ur, um, but then he had traveled to this area, and that's where they had got the call to officially go to the promised land. And and this travel is something to, like you said, there's a faithfulness. Okay, go there. And Jacob's like, okay, I'll go. And he gives a blessing. It's interesting to me because this whole mess started with a blessing, and now he blesses them again asking for the Lord to be fruitful and multiply. And I think that's something that um, um, good for us to to think about blessings as well. Any thoughts about the blessing there and, and how we probably should bless people today? Well, yeah, I mean, just the recognition of the blessing that has been passed on from Abraham now to uh, through Isaac to Jacob, I think it's important for us. Uh, that the promise that had been fulfilled now in Christ Jesus, if you're talking about us today, um, Mm -hmm. that's what we should be about. We should be about passing that uh, blessing on to other people. What we've been blessed with, that is with the knowledge uh, that our faith is based upon, you know, that we believe that Jesus Christ is not only our God, being Son of God, but also our Savior, being the one who has died and risen from the dead, that we might have uh, life eternally with Him in His presence forever. And that is the blessing that we're to pass on from generation to generation now. Uh, As Christ's disciples, to be able to make disciples, you have to be able to pass that blessing on to others that they too might uh, be blessed. And it's interesting at the beginning of our text, and I want to hear your thoughts on this, is, you know, there was, uh, Rebecca was lamenting in the previous verses, 
um, oh, what happens if uh, he marries a Hittite? And then Isaac starts talking and says, oh, you may not marry a Canaanite woman. Now, this in our culture today is kind of like, so are you kind of saying, like, I can't marry someone from Wisconsin or marry someone from Georgia uh, for a Floridian or something? What would, what were they getting at in those days where it's like, OK, you can't marry Canaanite? That seems awfully exclusive um, into our ears today. Why, why would they do that? Any thoughts? Well, I, th- I, I think there would be the same understanding and fears today in uh, certain cultures where God is not honored, God is not feared, the true God uh, that is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so um, there would be a r- real deep concern, just like there's a concern even within Christian faiths today of uh, you know marrying someone from another denomination. Probably not as much today as there used to be. But the concern would be, you know, where is your... Um, where is your priority in your life? Is God truly the, the, the one and only true God of your life? Uh, then in order to pass that on to our family and our next generation, you wouldn't want to go and marry someone who did not have that same faith. But um, people do today. You know, we do see that happening. But, um, you know, there's, been a, there's, there's always been a strong... When it comes to the faith, I'm talking about when it comes to the faith and what we believe concerning God, there's always been a strong uh, desire for uh, parents to want their children to, to marry another Christian, to marry, in some cases, uh, someone of your of your same denomination. So this is not unusual, um, because the cultures uh, definitely had their own way of worshiping, uh, usually either false gods or uh, some other god or, or the true god. And so, you know, you'd want to keep within, they wanted to keep within uh, their own faith. Um, you know, people, you know, how much do people actually base their relationships of marriage on the faith of the one that they are, uh, you know, getting close to and, and falling in love with? Um, I don't see that as much today as, as we did at one other time. But that's the kind of uh, conversation I believe is going on here. And that's a great way to put it, because the concern for the Canaanites and the Hittites is that they were not going to point to the one true God, the the Yahweh. Uh, They were, and and, and we see this throughout the Old Testament, um, where the Exodus 2 is like, do not intermarry. And then they were intermarrying, and it was not a gene pool issue. It was not a, we don't like those people across the train tracks. It had everything to do with faith. And then that's our concern, too. And I invite our listeners to pray for young people or people who are um, courting or looking to be dating and possibly marrying is that they're able to set the guidelines, if you will, and say, I want to be with someone who is in the faith. Now, one of the great things about this, too, is that God still works. I mean, I've known people who have gotten married to someone who was not really a, a strong believer or a believer at all. And all of a sudden that that spouse becomes a believer, and thanks be to God for that. But then I seen the opposite, where somebody who is in the church, values the church, values Christ and his gifts, marries someone who's not, and then all of a sudden they're the ones who fall away. So it really is, to me, a time of prayer. Um, it was for them, clearly, as, as he was caring, as Isaac was caring for his son, but it is also for us and time to pray and, and ask the Lord to continue to keep people steadfast in the faith. Pastor, anything else in verses 1 through 5? No, I think I think we've pretty much covered the ground. I just do want to just reiterate the importance of, uh, you know, when I do marriage counseling, one of the things I do, and because there's a lot of fringers, what I call fringers, people that 
say that they uh, believe in Jesus, that they uh, truly understand all what God has done and, and so forth. But then when we get into conversation, um, that doesn't seem to be a priority in their life, which is always troubling to me because I'm not sure why that is. If indeed we're putting God first in our lives, uh, why would that not be a focal point, not only for you and your marriage, but especially as you raise children? Of course, in marriage counseling, we talk about the, you know, having children and 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 so forth. And how do you see them? How do you see disciplining them and, uh, you know, um, raising them? And so we have a lot of conversation, especially if they're not attending church on a regular basis or only for the time being, you, and you know as a pastor that they're only there so that uh, they can accommodate the fact that, you know, let's see, we're going to church, and now, um, you know, we want to make that a priority, but a lot of people don't. And uh, and, and and so, yeah, this is so important to, to hear how things worked back in the day and how important that is even for us today to continue to bring our children to church, to the faith, to grow in it and to to grow in their relationship with their God who created them, who who redeemed and and, and wants to sanctify them in in doing His work. So, yeah. So as we look at this, let's continue as we see, kind of like you're saying, uh, Esau and and marriage. So let's continue verses six through nine. Now Esau saw that Isaac had blessed Jacob and sent him away to Padam Aram to take a wife from there, and that as he blessed him, he directed him, you must not take a wife from the Canaanite women, and that Jacob had obeyed his father and his mother and gone to Padam Aram. So when Esau saw that the Canaanite women did not please Isaac, his father, Esau went to Ishmael and took as his wife, besides the wives he had, Mahalath, the daughter of Ishmael, Abraham's son, the sister of Nebaioth. Pastor, with about a minute left in our time, uh, Esau chooses a wife. Um, and it's kind of interesting because you're like, okay, how did he choose this wife? Your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, you really got to understand all the relationships that are going on here in order to understand <laughs> a lot of moving parts. what he just did. <laughs> so, so looking at that, you know that he was not happy with uh, the situation with Jacob and that he went and uh, he didn't have a blessing from his father. So he just went and took on you know, a wife, too. He, he, too, wanted to be married. Um, and besides the wives that he already had, which is another whole topic, another topic, too, as far as the, you know, the number of wives that they had back in the day. Uh, but uh, the important part here, and I and, and I, had, I had talked about that in the first part here, is that Jacob had obeyed his father and mother and done what he was asked to do. Esau has no blessing, and so he is on his own, and so he just uh, takes a wife on his own. Uh, you know, just there's not all I can say is there's no blessing with it there. Uh, this is not according to the blessing of his father. That's for sure. And it's interesting because it, 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 it's from Abraham's family, right? So you have this, you know, I, I struggle with this text to try to understand, is he trying to follow Isaac's way? Is he not? Because what he pursues is from the lineage of Ishmael, right. which is not from the lineage that would go to obviously Christ, but not, not the lineage of the promise. And so right. it's kind of a little bit like, I'm not so sure if he's 
And we see later on with Esau that's like, well, he kind of, you know, he kind of comes around as a faithful guy. So is this a, a flippant thing? Is this a, I'm trying to please Isaac, my father? What's your perception about a minute before our break? Yeah, I think I think you've hit the nail on the head. I think that that's exactly what he's trying to do. You know, he's lost his uh, relationship that he had with his father as a result of all that had taken place. And, uh, you know, he just wants to gain back uh, anything at this point uh, to, p- to please his father, to hope, hopefully have a blessing himself. Uh, and that that's what you assume. Those are the th- that's the the, the uh, that's what you the conclusion that you jump to here in a situation like this. So. Well, we're going to talk more about this on the other side of our break. We are studying Genesis chapter twenty-eight with Pastor Curtis Dieterding, and we will be right back. These are the voices of young Lutherans in Mexico City, children who are excited to learn more about their Savior, Jesus. But they need our help, because good Lutheran books for kids in the Spanish language are in short supply in Mexico. To learn how you can help tell Spanish-speaking kids everywhere about Jesus in a language they can understand, go to the Lutheran Heritage Foundation website at lhfmissions.org forward slash Juan316. And welcome back. We are studying Genesis chapter 28 with Pastor Curtis Dieterding of Zion Lutheran Church in Fort Myers, Florida. And Pastor, as we have gone through these verses, the next portion is one that's very well known. I mean, this is Sunday school stuff. This is something that's always etched in my memory. But I want to make sure the, the groundwork is laid that Jacob is, is going away. We, we don't lose Esau in the midst of this, which is kind of interesting because there's other uh, uh, biblical figures in similar events. Uh, for example, like Ishmael, that he kind of goes away and we don't really hear much about him again. But Esau is a vital figure throughout this. And so I think that's a really interesting detail that's very much so an important piece as we come to the next few verses or chapters, excuse me. And so as we look at this, so before we get to Jacob's dream, um, I don't know if you're going to start singing uh, Led Zeppelin as we are here, Stairway to Heaven maybe, <laughs> but uh, not, it's not the same thing. But, um, but before we get to that point, uh, anything else you want to highlight before we go to verse 10? Um, I just know that as we're, we're starting to move into the next section, we're going to see that there are going to be other places mentioned, and I think it's very helpful to follow that uh, map that you pointed out in the Self-Study Bible on page 60. Um, I think it'll be good for us, too, to kind of see where things are at as we're moving moving through this next section. But yeah, yeah and, 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 you know, talking about Sunday school stories, I mean, this was definitely a popular one. Uh, you can definitely see um, the Concordia Publishing House Sunday school materials that uh, included these uh, images of of uh, him, sit, you know, laying there on the ground and the stairs going up to heaven and and so forth. So, yeah, I a lot of I, uh, uh, go ahead. No, you go ahead. You go ahead. I was just I'm saying, yeah, there's a lot of uh, a lot of important realities in this that go far beyond the Sunday school uh, uh, details, but the pictures. But it definitely is a great visual for us, and I would encourage our listeners 
to look at the, the, the map on page 60 is Beersheba, where we're going to be starting, is way down. I mean, this is it just, it's by, it's not, it's, it's south of the Dead Sea, Sea of Galilee. Like you said, not Damascus is a significant distance away, but we're talking a long trip all the way to Mesopotamia and Haran. So it is, it's a good reminder for us. It's not a straight shot, no interstate, none of those kind of things either. So definitely, Jacob is not only one to listen um, to the Lord, but he obviously persevered and endured as he traveled in that direction. So uh, I'm ready to dig in. You ready to continue? Yes, and and we we also Uh, need to keep in mind there are some mountains to contend with between uh, there and there because <laughs> because uh, I've been on those I've seen them they're not they're not the mountains of the Rockies and they're not the Appalachian but they they truly are uh, some mountains that are that you would struggle getting over them so I mean it's gonna it would take some work to get there so absolutely so let's let's keep digging in here verse 10 Jacob left Beersheba and went to toward Haran And he came to a certain place and stayed there that night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed. And behold, there was a ladder set up on the earth and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord Yahweh, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and to your offspring. I'm going to stop there, Pastor, because we have uh, we have a lot of different visuals that I'd love to highlight with this. Because I encourage you, our listeners, to really visualize what we just mentioned. So, Pastor, how do you want to highlight the, the visuals that, that Jacob is experiencing in his dream? Well, you know, what better picture of... of heaven touching earth uh, than this, you know, to, 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 to see. And really the work that is done by the angels, uh, the, these messengers from God, we see that angels are mentioned throughout Scripture and that their their primary purpose is to bring God's message to us, to uh, be... Um, it's really every time that we hear of an angel uh, connection here in any of the stories, uh, it is like a piece of heaven touching us here in this world. And and truly, God's Word does that every single time that we approach it and hear His Word. And every time His Word comes to us, it's it's God, you know, mm-hmm. coming to us directly. And so, you know, it's, it's a beautiful picture of the fact that God has not abandoned His world and that He is truly and totally and fully engaged. And uh, we surely see that engagement here um, in what he sees in this vision now of this ladder and the angels coming up and down on it. I think it's just a beautiful picture. Well, and it reminds us in our liturgy where we'll say, therefore with angels and archangels, and, and that understanding of that the angels are with us. I mean, we are in the presence of God. I love how you said it, the connection of heaven and earth coming down to us, God, um, uh, for Jacob giving a visual in a dream, and for us that understanding as we look at all of Scripture that God comes to us where heaven and earth join together in preparation for the time that Jesus will make a new heaven and new earth at that final resurrection. So this is um, quite the dream. I mean, I have a lot of wacky dreams, but this dream, I mean, it is. there's so much gift here uh, for us to be able to gather together. Other thoughts uh, to this point? 
Yeah, and then there's the uh, there's the what we would call the uh, land theology. You know, the, the the understanding that God is going to give him the very land upon which he's standing, and that that would also uh, be connected with the promise of many uh, offspring, all all the generations of people. Um, and I mean, we still have. Uh, those words and that understanding of that land, even in Israel today. I mean, that the, the people of God uh, that uh, we refer to as the Jews, there's still a lot of tension there about the land. I mean, the land is so important uh, for all of the nations that are there, you know, all of the, all the, all the three major cultures of, of religion in the world, the, the three big ones, you know, the, the Jewish faith, the Christian faith, the Muslim faith, it's all really centered right there in that part of the world, even to this very day. So some of these stories that we're reading here, um, it's easy to connect to uh, even things that are continuing to go on there in that, in that same part of the world today. Verse 13 says, and behold, throughout, we, when we studied the book of Matthew, that was a very common theme that when you say, behold, something big is about to happen. And here, and behold, the Lord Yahweh stood above it. And, and, this, is, and this is a reality, like you were saying before, that, that this gives us a, a vision of, of Christ and in the our Emmanuel the Lord stood above it, meaning the Lord revealed himself to, um, to Jacob and renews that covenant, not only of land, but also what else? What else does he promise in that covenant or, re, or uh, renewing of the covenant that he has with his people? Well, I think I think the idea that he's going to be coming down to earth as well. I think, you know, mm-hmm. we're, he's going to touch earth uh, himself, of course, we know that that's going to be done in in the flesh. That the word of God, this promise, is going to become flesh and uh, actually dwell in this very land. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. if you if you look at the whole land thing again, uh, this is where. Uh, God makes his promises. This is where the holy city of Jerusalem is. This is where uh, everything takes place, um, you know, as as God touches earth. And uh, so, yeah, so there's a lot here. And, yeah, I understand that there's an understanding that um, this is uh, really a, a view or a vision of Christ, um, a kind of a pre-incarnate Christ himself. Uh, and, of course, if we look at the story of the birth of Jesus, what uh, what do we see? We see angels. We see angels again touching earth uh, with the message that God brings that here is the Christ. Here he is, and this is this is my promise fulfilled. So yeah, there's there is. You're right. There's a lot going on here um, <laughs> that points us to the future as well. And I love the the connection to that renewal of the covenant for Abraham and Isaac. He, he reaffirms that, that, okay, I'm the Lord, and I was the God before, you know, before you. And, and he doesn't quite say it, but he's basically saying, I'm going to be the God after you as well. And how could we not, um, as we read these next number of verses, see that Emmanuel dynamic of Jesus, who says, I'll be with you to the very end of the age. And I encourage our listeners to remember that as, as we see this, as he said, the pre-incarnate Christ, that we see him come to his people all the time and to bless his offspring, which is, uh, you know, uh, I would give this land to you and your offspring, a reminder that God will be there in the future as well. Now, for me, 
Pastor, this is something that I need to better grasp in my own life is because a lot of times it can be me and Jesus. You know, it's just me and my Jesus. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have this faith and yeah, my kids, yeah, they have it too, but it's just me and my Jesus. And it's a good reminder for us that this Jesus obviously is for the world, but he's also our Lord is there for the next generation. We might think that they won't, they won't get it unless we're the ones that do it. Right. But, but it's this Lord, guess what is going to be there with my kids and my grandkids and my grand grandkids. Um, any thoughts on that and help? I think that's just more than powerful. And that's really what he's alluding to and proclaiming these words to Jacob, your thoughts. Yeah. I, I, there's not really a whole lot more I can add to this. Uh, but again, you know, when we think of, uh, of the land that God gives, uh, you know, there is a there is a land. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth that God will give us. And we're still we're still traveling. We're still moving through with all the different generations of people to that to that greater. It's, so this you know this land, these promises always point to a greater place, a greater promise for God's people, and we're still living that out even to this day. Well, let's continue, verse fourteen. Oh, by the way, I was going to ask this: Did you actually? see this traditional spot for this event is there a is there a place where there's a stone and says this is where 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 jacob slapped on on or anything like anything like that that you saw uh no we were we were actually pretty limited because we were doing kind of a threefer <laughs> we oh. actually were doing the holy <laughs> land and then we went to see castles and um and uh churches up in Germany and Austria, and then, uh, then the, it, it, it concluded with the uh, Passion Play in Oberammergau. So that's, oh, that was that's kind of right. a threefer for us. So we were really cramming in every day uh, just in certain areas. We didn't make it that far north to actually see um, uh, this place. So. Gotcha. Okay. All right. Very good. Well, I'm exhausted just hearing what your travels were. So uh, thanks be to God that you were able to pull it off. So verse 14, we continue on. (laughs) Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad the wet to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you and your offspring shall shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you, and I will keep you wherever you go. I'll bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. When Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord Yahweh is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. So, Pastor, there's there's promise, and then there's promise. And then there's promise. So, Pastor, yeah. tell us about the promises the Lord gives here. Yeah, it's multi-layered. You can see that here. Mm. You know, it's kind of strange as you were reading, and and you this image of your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and then it goes on to say, and that dust shall spread abroad, you know, to the west and the east, to the north and the south. And and so forth. That your offspring will be all over the earth, and they will all be blessed. I don't. Have you heard of this um, this weather event that's called the Saharan dust that comes across the uh, the Atlantic Ocean and it comes across down here especially. I don't know if it does all over the U.S. I'm guessing it does, but um, and the Saharan dust actually spreads as far as over to here because this is where we get all of our hurricane systems that actually come across. It comes off the Sahara and comes across the Atlantic and builds up steam. And then you know. 
we get to be the recipients hmm. down here in Florida and the Gulf you know, just of all of these no. storms. I know I never knew any of this till I moved down here. And the Saharan dust actually gets pretty heavy and pretty thick sometimes to the point it actually leaves a haze in the sky. And some of the most gorgeous sunsets I've ever seen. But my point is, is that um, I, I can really see this. I can see the imagery even more so that, you know, you'll be like dust and you'll be spreading in all different directions. And with the wind changes all the time down here, uh, I think to myself, wow, what a, what a beautiful image and a beautiful picture that God has given that uh, this is the kind of blessing. I mean, it's just, it's beyond understanding, really, when you think in terms of what he's blessing them with as far as the, the number of people and the families and, and all that will come from him, um, that, that this place that, that God has given them. Um, you know, it says, this is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Uh, when Jacob awoke, you know, he, he, can, he wants to mark this as a special place where God has touched the earth in a very special way through this dream that he had. And, um, there, yeah, there's just so much here. It's so packed. Uh, you know, just continuing on with all the promises that he makes, uh, that God's people will continue to, to grow and to uh, be spread around the world. As we look at this, there's this is one of those connections of the Old and New Testament and, and pointing us to Christ as we put on our Christ goggles is verse 15. Behold, I'm with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. I mean, how could we not hear the words of Christ? Behold, I'm with you to the very end of the age. Um, basically, that the whole language of him coming back to take us to be in eternity with him. Um, for I will not leave you till I have done what I have promised you. And that is, I mean, the promise of the Emmanuel, the incarnation of Christ is so thick in this story, this true story. And I tell you what, when I often have thought of the story, I would not have made those connections in the same realm. I always thought about the, the ladder. I thought about the angels. I thought about the stone. But I would say this is so rich with Christ that I, I, I'm excited to preach on this text someday because it really just, it just, it just douses you with the grace of God that we see in the Old and the New Testament with Christ. Other thoughts? All right. Yeah, well, in that, even in the second part of that verse 15, for I will not leave you until I've done what I've promised you. You know, yeah. can remind you of Jesus saying, I will not leave you or forsake you. You know, that, that mm. he'll do quite the opposite. I will stay with you and I will bless you. I will bless as I've promised you. And, and Christ keeps all his promises and we look forward according to, of course, according to the promise that he has for us. But just knowing even to this day that Christ had said those words, uh, you know, God is always with us, and uh, no matter what trouble, no matter what uh, situation or circumstance we find ourselves in, and it's pretty hard sometimes in some of the situations we get ourselves in uh, to... uh, to, to believe that God is truly there and, and to be present with us. And so this is a blessing for Jacob, though. Jacob now mm. has mm. been given this direct contact with with his Lord and in the, through this dream. And um, the blessing, I think, is just expounded at this point. So I want to highlight a few other realities, because like I said, there's so much promise in this text that Jacob awakes 
surely the Lord is in this place and I did not know it. I mean, how many times has that happened in our life? <laughs> Truly God had his hand upon our lives and we did not know it. I mean, you know it, but you overlook it or we, I want to say forget it, but you know what I mean? It's, it's like, okay, I, I'm sure Jacob thought, oh, you know, God was only back there, you know, in Jerusalem or Beersheba, but he's not going to be up here. Obviously he didn't believe that, but we all have those moments. Then he was afraid, right? Um, mainly because to be in God's presence would be quite terrifying, no matter how gracious our Lord is, because he's God. And then he says, how awesome is this place? I'm going to reflect on this a little bit, because tomorrow uh, I go with a number of our youth from Messiah Lutheran Church. Oh, We're going to go to the yeah. youth gathering yeah. um, in Houston, Texas, mm -hmm. which is just a great experience. And I've been to a number of those before. And I've always found it interesting to kind of uh, navigate those waters when you have a big youth gathering because, you know, as a youth, you drink a little more caffeine, you get a little less sleep, you're around your peers, you're just having a good old time. So this, how awesome is this place, right? It's kind of how we'll talk about it. And sometimes we'll focus on the things that, um, well, you know, I could have that on my own. I could have that in my own place, whatever it might be. But what made it awesome for Jacob was not because he had this adrenaline rush from caffeine, uh, much like when we go to a uh, youth gathering, but how awesome is this place is because you're with the living God and the living and active word of God. Um, and, and that's what makes that an awesome place. The house of God, the gate of heaven, is because you are proclaiming and receiving the gifts of Christ. And for the youth gathering type of dynamic, you are surrounded by other Christian people as far as almost the eye can see when you're gathered, for example, in Minute Maid Park, where we will be. So that's what makes that awesome. And so any thoughts on that? Because that, that's an important um, reality that I needed to be, I, I continue to need to be reminded of because I can get excited about seeing old friends as opposed to realizing that God's word is living and active in those kind of events. Well, I think I think seeing old friends is is seeing members of the body of Christ. I mean, right, tomorrow right. I'll be here. I'll be coming back uh, to the church. Um, generally, Friday's my day off, but I'm, I'm going to be coming back to the church because our youth and our counselors will also be heading to that national youth gathering as well. And I think that really shows us uh, quite a, a wonderful picture that um, you know there are people from the body of Christ, at least within this particular denomination of the body of Christ, that will be gathering together to share the very confession and belief and understanding and relationship that we have with Christ and with His Word together in the same place. And I know that's so impacting, and it so, has been so impacting by but a lot of our youth, and not just our youth, our counselors as well, you know, our volunteer counselors who are generally uh, these these uh, young people's parents um, who come and they, they drink of the Word and the sacrament and of the spirit of, of the unity that we have in the bond of peace with the power of the Holy Spirit at work together as God's people there in that place. And they come back, and they come back changed in a lot of ways uh, that maybe they hadn't seen before. They, to be able to see the body of Christ at that level, to, to see that many people all gathered together in one place, uh, it does impact you, and it, and it can be a part of how God uses those events, uh, events like those, the one, obviously, that he initiates, like the one with Jacob, you know, to actually continue to strengthen our faith and our trust in him. And so it's always just a, a wonderful 
uh, it's a wonderful experience for all of those who get to participate in that. And unfortunately, I'm not one of those this year. Uh, we have a director <laughs> of Christian education who will take uh, our gang over there. And uh, even our director of Paris Music will be a part of uh, helping out over there as well. So, But, uh, yeah, it's always, it's always a wonderful time. I always enjoyed those uh, gatherings. And that's why uh, pray for our, our, our young people, our leaders, and all involved as they come and receive the gifts of our Lord in Houston. So let us continue. We have a few minutes left in our time. Verse 18. So early in the morning, Jacob took the stone that he had put under his head and set it up for a pillar and poured oil on top of it. He called the name of that place Bethel, but the name of the city was Luz at the first. And Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear so that I may come again to my father's house in peace, then the Lord Yahweh shall be my God. And this stone, which I have set for a pillar, shall be God's house. And all that you will give me, I will give a full tenth to you. As you mentioned before, uh, Pastor, that there are when the, when the when the word of God is proclaimed, the sacraments administered, it changes lives, and clearly it did so for Jacob. Um, it is uh, here he names a place Bethel and makes some promises. What does he have? What does he proclaim that day? Yeah, it's it's really interesting because that that name Bethel means the house of God. It, it talks about um, how this place is sacred and holy because it is the place where God touched Jacob through this dream in a very special way. Um, and, and what's interesting is is that it says, I will make a vow, or, or Jacob basically saying he's making a vow that that he will go and will give and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear so that I come again to my father's house in peace. Um, just the whole idea and the imagery of the bread, again, too, that God continues to supply us, the clothes to wear, supplies us with all that we need. Uh, his recognition on, uh, on, on, oh, there's just so much here. You know, <laughs> this, this pillar, I mean, it has the oil that's poured on it, you know, it's just, there's just so much connected. The oil reminding us of the uh, prophet, priests, and kings who were, who were anointed by, as God's people, uh, leaders, you know, to lead his people, and, and Christ Jesus, uh, of course, being anointed in, in the waters of baptism as prophet, priest, and king. There's just, this thing is so packed, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it would take us a lot more than the few minutes we've got left to unpack all of that. Um, but it, but I want to get back to what Jacob says here, um, again, that God provides all things. Even this stone, and it was interesting because it wasn't until I really was looking at this text again that I realized that the stone that he actually lays his head on um, is actually considered the kind of a stone that you would build a uh, a building on like a pillar like a house like the house of god so it's mm. that that gives it even more uh uh you know oof <laughs> uh, right. for me you know as far as the uh, the setting it up and really seeing that god's house is more than just a building but god's house is uh all of us who trust and believe in him and you could use that imagery of don't build your house on on the sand, you know, be wise like the man who built his house on the rock, which is clearly Christ as well. Like you said, there's so much to give. And how it ends is that in faith, trusting in God's promises, 
he gives it back to the Lord, which is already his, and he gives it so that for the, you know, in faith. And may we be as generous as well. Pastor, 30 seconds left in our time. Um, how do you want to highlight our chapter and encourage our listeners in Christ? I think just always capturing what God is doing through these stories as far as uh, what he's telling us concerning these generations of people and how that is important for us, and just this idea of a promised land, a promised place uh, that still connects to us even to this very day, how important it is to, to bring our children before God's Word and into his house to gather together as his people to continue to grow in the promises that he still makes to us today that one day we'll live forever with him through the faith that we have in his son Jesus. And I just also want to say congratulations. I didn't get to say that uh, before, uh, Pastor Fenner, for uh, your election as president of the Minnesota North District. Well, thank you very much. Uh, Each day, learning more and God's grace is sufficient. President Harrison said, God gives you what you need. And that's true for me and it's true for you. It's true for all of you, our listeners. So we have have to go, though. So Pastor Curtis Dieterding of Zion Lutheran Church in Fort Myers, Florida, giving us God's wrong word from Genesis 28. Pastor Dieterding, thank you for bringing us his gifts. It's always a joy. And thank you for having me. And God bless all of you that are listening today. I'm your host, Brady Finneran, District President of the Minnesota North District of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Thank you for joining us, and the Lord keep you safe in the palm of His hand.